0: Be still and know that I am God. This isn't me saying it. I'm not God. This is what he said to us. Be still and know that I am God. Why is that important? Why, why did God say being still is something that is absolutely necessary in order to really know him and how does a person do this in a way that brings true rest and renewal what does that look like i love this story that you find in matthew and luke it portrays an extremely busy day jesus has been just working it i mean he has been all day long taking care of people healing them casting out demons he's been speaking to crowds of people and uh, so finally, he, he tells the disciples and he says, hey, um, the, the picture gets kind of painted here that he's exhausted, overwhelmed. And so he says, let's get a boat. Let's head out in the boat, escape the crowds that were coming because they just kept coming, just kept coming one after another. It's like, I, I can't keep doing this. I have some physical limitations. And so he, he, he basically does that. And on the journey in the boat, <clears throat> Jesus falls asleep. I love this picture, by the way. A huge storm rose in. Disciples of Jesus are afraid for their lives. They look for Jesus to help them. And where do they find him? <clears throat> What's he doing? Sleeping. sleeping. Come on, Jesus. You are totally unaware of the circumstances we find ourselves in. You're sleeping. Um, and of course, they're beside themselves. I mean, I can. I, I, I'm actually just like him. Hey! Wake up! Come on, don't you see what's going on around you? you, you how could you be sleeping there? Do you not see the waves and the wind and everything that's going on? They looked for him, unaware that um, Jesus was unaware that they could possibly capsize any particular moment. So what they do is they came over and decided, the best thing for us to do is to wake Jesus up. Hey, 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 wake up. I mean, um, I'm sure they just tap him little bit hey just want you to know hey are are you awake yeah can you see what's happening around us yeah it's not good and um can you do anything about this and i find it according to mark's account that jesus was not really happy about this in his frustration he actually gets up and says quiet be still well the storm and the waves and the wind stop immediately the literal translation of Quiet, be still, is the masso siopa. And and it has this idea of hush. Shh. Quiet. Stop. Just just stop. And it's that idea of still the raging. It's kind of this idea of make speechless the storm. It means it doesn't have any it doesn't have any more power, it doesn't have any more words. There's nothing in there that can create a problem. Stop worrying, stop fighting, stop running, stop storming, stop striving. Just stop. And then I think this is fascinating because Jesus turns to his disciples in, in Mark 4 and he says this. Hey, why were you so afraid? You <laughs> didn't Come on, you didn't see all that? I mean, what do you mean why we're here first? What do you want us to do? is just lay down there, he's sleeping, but fall asleep too. I mean, what kind of craziness is that? And he says, do you still, up to this point, do you not have any faith? Do you still not have this understanding that I'm bigger than all this? Is is there something Missing that, you've missed out on that as you've been with me? What's taking place? So I want want, want to tell you again. So here we are. We're all sitting here and Jesus is saying, you know, God has called out to us, be still. No. I am God. God. Do we know how to do that? Can can we live in that reality? I can tell you a secret that the enemy of God never, ever wants you to come and discover. It's one of the greatest fears, and he spends more time on this than anything else. It's something so profound that he never, ever wants you to find out about it. And so for the next few moments, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be still and know that God is here. He is present. He is among us. Think only about him. Don't think about me or what I'm doing. Just be focused on that. Nothing else distracting you. That's where you're at this morning. Nothing going on up here. Dallas Willard, an amazing man of God, helped a lot of people draw close to God, and I think it's fascinating because... By the way, was that a difficult exercise for you to just be still? Were you able to say, man, John, those those moments, that was some of the most peace-laden. I was just still with God, nothing distracting. Right? I mean, it's kind of like, I-, I couldn't get by that noise. You were up there doing some crazy stuff, which you probably should never do again. But, but you know, just, it was highly distracting. Absolutely. There's all kinds of things going on in your life, right? There's, there's too many things going on in your life that you're kind of going, I actually, to sit and be still, that's, that's almost incomprehensible. I can't get there. That's exactly what the enemy of God most wants you to believe. It's the one thing that God wants most for you to experience be still. No, without a doubt that I am God. Wake up. I want you to know something. So Dallas Willard um, has helped so many people draw close to God, especially those in ministry. He he says, I've been fascinated by pastors. They seem to be a group of people who are least in touch with God. He spoke that once at a ministry. What was he talking about? He said, I'm serious. You know about God. You know what to say about God. You actually know about how to seek after God. But a lot of you, let's just be honest, you don't know God. You don't live in the reality. You're still on the boat. Come on, Jesus, we gotta, we got to make this storm. You're not sitting there. I can, I can actually rest in Him. He says that practicing solitude and silence are the most important spiritual disciplines for people today. Hands down, it's the only way to truly find rest, to get in touch with God, to draw on his strength, but most will never do this. The patterns are so ingrained. Why? He says, basically, it's no one sets out to live a chaotic existence, it just sort of happens life gets out of control, there are more things to, to do, there are more th- problems to be, we have mass communication which tells us every problem everywhere in the, in the world. We have um, a sense of connectedness now to technology, to the ability to at any given moment to read millions and millions of data about the world. We are just bombarded non-stop with all kinds of things. Descriptive words of today's society were scattered, Fragmented, uncentered, distracted, overloaded. Instead of being who we are, where we are, we're always on the way to something else. Instead of being who we are, where we are, we're always on the way to something else. There's always something else. We're, we're already moving beyond. It's very hard for us to be fully present wherever we're at. And in the midst of where we're at, when we stop, what happens most of all the people? All of a sudden, the realization of the storm. All the things come flooding in, and it's like, I, I can't deal with it, so I'm gonna quickly go, and I'm going to find a place to, to be able to get away from that. And the number one place that most of us Americans go is think, I just have to you know shut my mind off, so I'm gonna go and click on the TV and do some Netflix binging, or, or I'm gonna go do something that's going to take my mind off of how I feel, the inner anxiety that I feel. You know what I think is fascinating? I, I, I love reading through scripture, but there is this amazing place in, in, in um, Deuteronomy where, where God is, is basically saying to the people of Israel, said, listen, I've got a plan for you, but if you decide not to listen to it, here's what's going to happen. He said, the Lord will scatter you among the nations from one end of the earth to the other, there you're going to worship other gods. Gods of wood and stone, just gods that you make up. Because it's easier to follow them. Which neither you nor your ancestors have known. Among those nations you'll find no repose, no resting place for the sole of your foot. There the Lord will give you an anxious mind, eyes weary with longing, and a despairing heart. I think that's fascinating. I think there's so much truth in there. It's kind of like well, do I struggle with any of those things? You will live in constant suspense, filled with dread both day and night. If you look at our world today, you can see that that is a very similar pattern. So when I say and encourage you to be still and know, it means that God says there's something that if you don't do that, you'll miss out. So our theme for today is the rhythm of rest and renewal for this overburdened, over, you know, saturated life. And I want to look at one key character who understood how important this was. In in the book of Daniel, you get the historical record that Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian armies, they, they went through and they conquered Jerusalem. And they carried them off as slaves. Which, by the way, God warned them that if they decided not to listen to him, that was what was going to happen. And they didn't, so they were carried away. And so in this particular one, you have um, this whole group of people who have been their culture's been raped, they've been raised by you know all, all the all the influence of that society, the temple that they worshipped at was demolished. And Daniel and some other young men were brought into the Babylonian court of the king. They said, Hey, let's get young people and let's bring them in here. We'll, we'll give them three years in the best universities of that time. We'll have them study history and astrology and mathematics and medicine and myth and the religion of their gods. Everything that's going to help them to be successful in our world. And it was a world completely different than what they had known. A focus very um, apart from what God designed for them. And they thought, you know, if we do that, what will happen is that these particular people will, you know what, they're going to then adopt our way of living. It will be one of the best things that could possibly happen. And so what you get here is a completely different world and Babylon's goal was we're going to assimilate them so that they become just like us. And that way um, we're gonna change everything about them. In fact, uh, the Daniel's name became Belshazzar and uh, you, you find out a little bit more about him when you, start to, when you start to get into that. And so, into that particular goal, we find this. They wanted them to embrace it in such a way. And so, in chapter 6, if you've got your Bibles and you want to turn to Daniel 6, you, you'll, you'll find that there. I'll have it on the screen. It's also in your insert if you want to follow along. And again, their focus was, we wanted to train you to the way to think, act believe, live out. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. So now they trained him enough and now he becomes one of these key leaders. They were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Man, this guy, he's saturated in. He is, you know, he's kind of embraced the way we live, and this is going to be awesome. At this, the administrators and satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they're unable to do so. He did it with such integrity. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So Daniel was given these certain responsibilities that he had to take care of in his role, just like a lot of you do, trying to live out a sense of integrity in a way that you know creates an opportunity for him to live in this way. He was part of a society that lived and functioned and focused on different things and he saw part of that to say I can still have influence in that society but there was something more he, he knew um, that how he lived his life even within that society was going to look different fine I think Hebrews 11 gives us an idea of those who are faithful in that way all these people of the past were still living by faith when they died they did not receive the things that were promised They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. Not looking for a country of their own. They are instead longing for a better country, a heavenly one. We're here. We live in this place. But it's not ultimately what we're looking for. While Daniel was there, he committed himself to the To do his best and to live for God, no matter what the consequence. See, here's the thing. As soon as you decide to seek after God and truly put your trust in him, a couple things are going to happen. So I want you to be aware of that. If you decide, that's how I want to live. This is what, yeah, thanks, John, for sharing that. That, That's that's the kind of person I want to be, an influencer in society for God. Well, a couple things will happen. Number one, you're going to be attacked by an enemy who does not want you to experience the fullness of God's love and power. The enemy does not want you to live in that reality. He does not want you to ever be still and know God and let that so influence your life that it influences people around you. The enemy is going to do everything possible. It says in Ephesians, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There's an epic celestial battle going on, which, by the way, we're going to talk about... um, uh, a little bit later on um, in our, after we get on to this series, talking about angels, who are they, what they're about, how does God work within them. But now let's keep focusing on this. Second thing that's going to happen is you are also going to be given the very power of God, His Spirit that He places within you, so you can actually rest in His strength. You can rest in it. You can be still in it. You can count on His strength. Let's go back to Daniel. Finally, these men said, We'll never find any basis for charge against this man Daniel, unless it has something to do with these with his law of God. So the administrators and satraps, went in group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, the prefects, the satraps, the advisors, governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any God or human being, during the next 30 days, except you, O majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So the king's looking around saying, well, everyone seems to be in agreement with this. It seems like a good idea. So he put it in writing. So, what does Daniel do when he hears this? What's the first thing you find him doing? Which I find absolutely fascinating. When Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room with the windows open towards Jerusalem. What are you doing? And three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed. Giving thanks to his God just as he had done before, just as he was already living out of. Why do this in public view? Seriously, just hide away. Don't anybody see? What was he thinking? Is it possible that Daniel truly believed that trusting in the living God was far more important, more satisfying, more life-giving, more worth the risk of what could happen to him? It was so much more valuable that he would let nothing stand in the way of these crucial times with God. Having his heart and his his life open for all to see. Look what happened in the story. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying, asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about the royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that, during the next thirty days, anyone who prays to any God or human being except you, your majesty, will be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. Guess what they were watching? Guess what they were looking for? We're gonna see if he continues on in this pattern and if this is important enough to him. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. I wonder what that was like. Don't you wonder? So what do you do? Hey, go find Dan. I gotta tell him what's going on. Hey, hey, Dan, listen. You're in trouble. <clears throat> you know, how can we hide you? What can we do? I mean, I can't imagine the conversations that he might have had with him. I, I don't know. Or if they kind of blocked him, if they, if they made his life very difficult so he couldn't get to him. I don't know. And they said to the king, Daniel, <clears throat> he pays no attention to you. So the king gave an order. They brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. So now with all of this stuff going on, um, they basically forced him to you know, throw Daniel in the lion's den. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the dead, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring, the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. There's no way this is going to be changed then the king returned to his palace and he spent the night without eating, without entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. Hey, has it ever happened to you? Where you are at a place to say, okay, there's no entertainment. I don't want any, I don't want any distractions, I don't need anything to kind of fill a void. I am really distressed right now. It was a moment of deep reflection of what he was doing. It's an important part. At the first light, the king got up and he hurried. That means he bolted to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually. Isn't it interesting? What he sees is the influence of Daniel, what he knows about him. Has he been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel. Oh, we'll be talking about that again. Um, and he shut the mouse of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was then overjoyed. He gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he trusted in his God. By the way, who was anxious and restless in this situation? Who couldn't sleep? Darius? Cain? I mean, he was like, I'm, I'm all worked up about this. This is, wow. Um, I'm worried. I, I wonder what it was like being Daniel down there. It's kind of like, okay, lions. If you can eat me, go ahead and eat me. I have no idea. I mean, I, I would just think it would be fascinating to be down there. Kind of land. Maybe they curled up and he goes, thanks. I, was, I needed a nice pillow to rest on, you know? Um, I mean, what do you do in that situation? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and they're going to be thrown in the fire. They said, well, we're going to still serve a God, throw us in the fire, that's fine. Um, Others, who that happened to, they did get, you know, killed off, but some were saved, and that's their whole philosophy. It's kind of like, well, if we live or die, it doesn't matter. We're still not going to go back because we know something about this God of ours. It's worth taking whatever risk and look at Daniel's answer. What grace toward the kingdom made a mistake? Foolish promise that he was forced to keep. Do you see the pattern in Daniel's life that gave him strength? That gave him rest on a daily basis? He still prays three times a day. See, the point is that he had time with God and it was a lifelong habit. It was a pattern for rest and renewal. It's what all those who are close with God have learned from being overwhelmed by anxiety, fear, and hopelessness. They live with the sense of their life being deeply connected with God. They know how to be still and know and enter in to the reality of the fact that God is bigger than anything else that could take place in our life. God created you to experience the fullness of His love and connection. So that's why we gave you these, right? So that each day, you can take some time. And so we said, we want everyone to have these. Take some time to do this, to draw close. And I know that for, for some of you, because I know this is hard, you come and I, say, I just got really busy. I had other things going on, or I had other things to do. Maybe you already were been doing a different devotional. But the thing is, is God invites us in and says, I want time with you. I want to be with you. I want to give you something that you can't get on your own. I want to be the one who is the most important part of your life. To stop, to seek, to pause, to listen to Him. My work is to first seek after God. That's my greatest work, to seek Him, to pursue Him, more than anything else in my life. Soren Kierkegaard said in the last page of his journal, just before he died, he's writing this journal, and he says this thing, which I think is really important if it's the last thing a person says in their life. If I could only prescribe one remedy for the ills of the modern world, I would prescribe silence. For if the word of God were proclaimed, it would not be heard right now. There is too much noise. So I prescribe silence. where God's voice can break in. So let me give you some practical application. Um, in the morning when you rise in the middle of the day in the evening I really do want to set you up for a life of vibrancy with the living God I really do I, I mean that's why we spend spent time with this this is a, a passion we and the, and the leaders of the church want you to know set aside time turn off your radio your computer whatever it is and sit before God in silence do nothing except focus on Him take that time to really think about Him it was interesting that so you read all the stories and you see that you need only be silent, he told Moses, and watch what I will do in the midst of it. This is something you can't do, but if you are silent, you listen, and you prepare yourself, and you feel my strength move into you, watch and see what I can do. So let me give you a couple things. Let give you four things. Recognize that there will be more to do each day than you can accomplish. There's way more. You, your, your day is going to get full. It already is full there is always more for you to do than you can ever get done. You have to recognize that. You know what? There's always going to be more. There's always something up. There's always going to be something that comes up. But if you step back and go, that more is not more important than my time with God. What are the usual crises that come up that make you anxious these days? Do you step aside and say, you know what? I recognize. There's just going to be more and I'm, I, just, I don't have to enter into that to try to accomplish more. Secondly, don't fill up your day, but leave room for the unexpected to happen. Don't fill it up just thinking, i got, I got my day completely packed. It's, it's, no, you leave room. You say, God, whatever you have, I'm going to be paying attention. I'm going to always leave space for you. I'm not going to completely fill my schedule up. Leave space for crisis situations. So when they do appear, occur, you can actually have time to deal with them. Third, take time to be silent and still each day. Be still and silent. Just silent. Use that time to help draw strength from God. Cease striving is the idea. Stop. Years ago, I took um, Chuck Swindoll's advice. Um, he was a preacher who, who discovered the importance of taking two-minute to 60-minute vacations during, during each day. He just stepped aside and said, God, I just want to make sure I'm in tune with what you have. And he found such freedom, and I have myself. I, I usually pick up a, you know, Key verse that I've memorized, or a new one that I've memorized, and I just kind of said, Lord, help me to remember this today. Help me remember this fact that you're transforming. Whatever it might be, I want to make sure I'm keeping my eyes on you. And fourth, take time for Sabbath, a real day off where you get rest to renew your energy for the rest of the week. Mark Buchanan wrote in his book, Your God is Too Safe Rediscovering the Wonder of a God You Can't Control. <laughs> That's a pretty great title. He said, Holy Habits Are That. The disciplines, the routines by which we stay alive and focused on Him. At first, we choose them and carry them out. After a while, they become just part of who we are. And they carry us. If I can leave anything with you, please. Maybe you've never developed a spiritual discipline in your life. This is your first time. This is why we're doing this series. I said at the beginning, if the enemy can keep you from one thing, this is what is going to keep you from. So, if you're wondering how come I struggle with this so much, it's the hardest thing for me to do to set aside time for just me and God. Know that it is the one thing that God's enemy never wants you to discover. Because if you do, the strength, the peace, the joy, the hope, the feeling of what God will do in your life is extraordinary. You live as a different person. I want that for you. Be still and know that he is God. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the gift of your presence with us. I thank you for your love for us. In a moment, um, we're going to be sharing um, in this time, and we just ask that you will prepare our hearts for what you have in store for us. Um, And, um, Lord, give us the rest that we need. We pray in your name.